you don't even realize how much you learned until you see that next group of graduate students come in and they feel the same way and you're like it's okay you'll be here in just a short amount of time you just have to trust the process Hello, and welcome to the From Urban to Ag podcast. I am so glad to have you here. The goal of this podcast is to answer questions consumers have about agriculture, food, environmental sciences, and natural resources, connect listeners to experts within these industries who can provide science-based information and answers, and lastly, to share the narrative of agriculture because it is broad and diverse and intriguing. In these podcast episodes, you can expect to learn about several different industries and disciplines such as swine production, agricultural communication, dairy production, agribusiness, and so much more. Thank you for listening. Now on to the episode. Hello listeners, we are slowly winding down season two. These will be our last two episodes before a brief hiatus, before exciting things coming in season three. So for today's episode, we're going to continue with our grad school conversation. So this is part two of grad school. And we're going to discuss the first year in a graduate program and some of the common struggles, thoughts, and experiences that students go through and some tools and resources to work through those. So to speak with us today, I have doctoral candidate Peyton Beatty. She's a fellow Gator here at the University of Florida, and she was instrumental in guiding me through my first year here at UF. And now I have brought her here to share some of that wisdom with all of you as well. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, listeners, and welcome back to the From Urban to Ag podcast. So today, we're continuing our conversation about grad school and giving a little bit of an overview for any of you who are interested in graduate school, specifically uh, agricultural education, agricultural communication, or anything related to either of those, or even outside of that field. I feel like we're going to talk today about um, the experiences and feelings of first-year graduate students, and I guess that could apply to any major or discipline. So without further ado, speaking to us today is my good friend and doctoral student, sorry, sorry, doctoral candidate, Peyton Beatty. Uh, Peyton, do you mind just uh, telling everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're doing, what you study? Yeah, sure. Um, so like Jacqueline said, my name is Peyton Beatty. Um, I am a um, third year PhD student. Um, Jacqueline had mentioned that I'm a doctoral candidate. So which what that means is um, I have um, taking, taken a long, grueling test <laughs> and went before my committee members and um, essentially had to like prove my knowledge about <laughs> I'm worthy to continue on in the PhD program. So they're called that Sometimes they're called comprehensive, comprehensive exams, and we call them here um, qualifying exams. So I passed my qualifying exams um, and have started my dissertation. So that's what makes me a doctoral candidate versus a doctoral student. That also means I can start applying for jobs. So that's a little bit about... Very exciting. Upside very, to that. <laughs> very exciting, but very nerve-wracking at the same time. Um, so that's a little bit about just being me as a doctoral student, but I'll tell you a little bit about my past education and things like that. So I actually grew up in Louisiana, um, about, for point of reference, about 45 minutes southwest of New Orleans. 
um, and I attended LSU for my bachelor's degree. And I got my bachelor's degree in agricultural education. Um, so I actually student taught and was going to be an ag teacher. Um, I had a long time love for extension and also had toyed with the idea of being a 4-H agent as well. Um, but a different path got um, built for me um, as I was preparing to go into the workforce after my bachelor's degree. I got the opportunity to come here to the University of Florida and work on my master's degree. And then my master's degree was in extension education. Um, I had been involved in 4-H and extension um, in multiple different capacities throughout like high school and then also um, my time at LSU. And so I did my master's degree in extension education and then decided that I really enjoyed um, agricultural communications within the context of extension. And so I moved on to do my PhD. um, And now I'm doing my PhD um, in the specialization of agricultural communication. So I didn't mean um, when I started out my educational journey to go from agricultural education to extension education to ag com um, but that's just kind of the path my life took and I think they're all intertwined and in how I use them all really complement each other so I think it turned out to be a really good thing and now you're a triple threat yeah <laughs> if that's what you want to call it <laughs> I think that's what it should be called we're going to make an industry standard if you have all three of those degrees it's a triple threat yeah. um, but you're right it does um for listeners reference, I've known Peyton for, I guess, only a year now. Gosh, it feels like a lifetime. (laughs) We're in December. Okay. So, um, I met Peyton my first year here at uh, UF. We are office mates. Um, she helped me a lot navigating my first year and every single question about any software or like etiquette with writing papers or posters. She answered my questions. So I thought she'd be a great resource to come and answer some of your questions, common questions about grad school, but I always get ahead of myself on these. Can you really quickly, before we get into like first year grad student experiences and all that good stuff, can you talk a little bit about what your current research is on? You talked about how you wove in together the education, extension, and calm into your dissertation. So can you tell listeners a little bit about what you're studying and uh, researching? Yeah, sure. So I really enjoy working with extension agents and really helping them have resources to do their job better. Um, And throughout the time, my time in graduate school um, and reading the literature, um, I've noticed that extension agents have often said um, throughout all these studies that when we're talking about competencies of extension agents, they're Every, it's always mentioned that they need communication skills, but no one has ever really dug deep into um, what those communication skills they need are. Um, and so it's kind of just like loosely where I started with that. Uh, and so that's really kind of how I combine the two. And so what I'm specifically studying for my dissertation is extension agents adoption of instructional and communication technologies. And Wildly enough, I came up with this idea before the pandemic hit. (laughs) Um, And so I really hate that. I don't hate that the pandemic happened, but I really wish I would have just been a year sooner in collecting all of my data so that we could kind of see what the true adoption of technology was before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic happened and after that, 
how that kind of affected it. But. You can also hate that the pandemic happened. We can hate yeah. that too. That's okay too. <laughs> I mean, but it's here. We can't do anything about it at this point. Yes, so. true, true. Uh, but it would be cool to know like the true effects of how it affected extension agents and their educational program delivery. So I'm studying the adoption and that of instructional and communication technologies by extension agents. And that kind of like took two different forms. So my first one is like a survey um, that's kind of like part one and just kind of understanding like base level adoption of instructional communication technologies. And so I kind of looked at that from a bunch of different ways. I looked at like internal factors like self-efficacy and their interest in using instructional communication technologies. I looked at their innovativeness level of integrating technologies and then what barriers they had to adopting instructional and communication technologies. And then from that, I'm going to choose um, four extension agents in the state of Florida to actually go through the adoption process of an instructional communication technology to use in their extension program. And then we will kind of see what their process looked like and if that is something that we would continue to use in extension or not. Sounds great. Thank you for sharing. And I'm I like to hear about it. I, as you said before, was our recording, like I've heard about your research, but it's always nice to go more in depth and like check in and see where we're at. I think this was a great transition because as you were talking, I'm, I was listening and, and I hear words like um, innovation, adoption of technology, instructional commu- technology and communication and self-advocacy and all these terms that I'm thinking that if I were a first year grad student, if I were not in grad school yet, they'd be a little daunting. Yeah, and then as I'm talking, I'm like, I, I hope that I'm not using all these words that I know that are like what I see every day. And I think that's hard sometimes too, is to like separate the two. You're fine for using them. Cause like you said, we're really, we're used to those terms and people that are like familiar somewhat with what we study would be used to those terms. But like we said, it's daunting in the beginning, but it's normal not to be familiar with them yet. It's normal and okay that when you show up day one, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, to not know all the terms that everyone's using, to not understand all of the the context of everyone's research. So diving into the main topic that I want to talk about today, first-year graduate experiences. Like, What are some of the common stressors, common things that you see first-year students like struggle with, and like what is some advice you would give or have given to people that do. Yeah. And I think that what we were just talking about is like a perfect, like the one you see across the board with, across the board with everyone is like everybody gets there in their first, um, like in their first class or their first experience in graduate school. And they're like, I don't know enough, or I don't know what these people are saying. Um, and like, it's, it's like so disheartening to hear because like you don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but it's just part of the process. And like, that's not probably a good answer. Um, But I don't have time at this point to figure out what the good answer is. Um, But I think it's just like a steep learning curve. Right. And so, I mean, once you've been here for a year, you find yourself saying those big words and like just in a year's time, you don't even realize how much you learned until you see that that next group of graduate students come in. And they feel the same way. And you're like, it's okay. Like, you'll be here in just a short amount of time. You just have to trust the process because you will learn a ton. It's just so different, I think. That was one of the things I recognized when I started graduate school. It's just so different from 
any other type of schooling you've ever been to in your life, right? So like undergraduate school was um, very similar to, I would say, high school. You went to class for however long, you took tests, you passed them, you passed the class. Or if you didn't pass a test, you didn't pass the class. Um, but specifically in our discipline, we're more of a social science, so we study people and how people react to things, how people perceive things, um, how people learn. Um, and so ours is a lot more writing, and that was more writing than I had ever done in my whole entire life. I think I truly feel like <laughs> I didn't know how to write until I got to graduate school, um, and I just learned it very quickly because I did so much of it. Um, and so I think that is one of the main things. It's just so different than what anyone's ever known. And even my mentee this semester, she had texted me one day and was like, I'm in class and I don't even know what these people are saying. And I remember having that same feeling when I started graduate school. I was in like my very first class um, with someone and she's like super intelligent, but also like reads a lot and knows like really large words that does have a simpler word too and like I just remember sitting there like what the heck am I actually doing here like I yeah. don't know if this is what I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and I think everybody goes through that feeling too is like is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now like um so it's just all part of the process and it's not it's not a fun and easy process but it's also very rewarding at the end yeah, and I think in, in the beginning of your answer, you said you, you didn't say it well, but I think you said it perfectly. That feeling of, I don't know who I was talking to, but I, maybe it might have been the last episode focused on grad school or the podcast, but feel like the, the biggest thing I learned was that that feeling of being uncomfortable and feeling like you have no idea what's going on, don't worry. You're going to feel that way constantly, but don't worry. Everyone else feels that way. And then you talked about writing, how it's a new kind of writing. I was talking to my mother because I talk to my mother frequently because she is a great person. Plug for my mom if she listens to this episode. <laughs> um, and I was talking about writing and like how much writing we have and how hard it is. And she's like, but Jacqueline, you're a great writer. Like you've always been a great writer. I'm like, wow, it's not the same. <laughs> like I've written like magazine articles, like creative writing, or even just like any writing you've ever done until this point is different, which is also unfortunate because every writing you'll do outside of academia will always be different. Yeah. But it's it's fine because we're all learning. And like you you really mentioned that um, the one year difference. Mm -hmm. The one year difference is ridiculous. And then I don't know if you actually like you do learn a lot. You do learn a lot about like everything. In my experience, I'm now starting my second year, right? So like, I don't know if I really learned like that much, but everyone else thinks I know a lot. Like those first year students, for some reason, think I know a lot. It's like, no, 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 ma'am, ma'am. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> like, don't worry. Like I was you 12 calendar months ago. So we ha there's not that far to go, but yeah. Yeah. And like, that's the thing too. It's like, it, and then that's why I say it's like a steep learning curve because like just in years time, you become to that first year student, an expert in something that you don't feel an expert in. And I think that kind of like lends itself to imposter syndrome. Like we'll never feel like we know enough or there, cause there's always so much more to learn. Like we're never yes. going to know everything, yeah. but I'll put you on the spot a little bit too, Jacqueline. It was so fun to like watch you. And I've said this multiple times in like our research meetings and stuff like this, but so Jacqueline and I are both on like the same research team. 
And like at the point that she had come into graduate school, I was starting my second year of my PhD. And so she had like joined our research meeting and like they were talking about the different types of data we have and different things like that. And Jacqueline was like super scared and was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like we had to like remind her that everyone starts where she is but the only way to really learn is to just do it and that's a very scary and intimidating process but then i also got to watch her just like six months later lead her own research team of people um to conduct a study and stuff like that so it happens really quickly and you just have to jump in and do it and i think she was like the prime example of that so kudos to you dude uh, I, she uses the term lead quote unquote very loosely <laughs> i have to say um i really wish that i i i would I, I feel like i need a little like you know how some podcasts have like little like um background sounds like ding or like little i need like a catchphrase music for imposter syndrome like imposter syndrome because it comes up fairly often and it deserves its own little like soundtrack. Um, I think I discussed it last time with Whitney uh, in research imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome also disclaimer, it's outside of academia too. Like imposter syndrome is a word I didn't hear until we were in academia. And like you said, Peyton, like we study people, we study social science. So imposter syndrome is something that we study and see a lot. Um, It has many different terms, but it's everywhere, but it's mostly in your head like that's the thing like it's just something that you need to do and I also want to disclaimer not disclaimer but like add on to her little story of the one factor to add into that is I joined the research team like midway through a semester or like a sec in sec the second semester of the year so every I felt like in my head everyone else has been doing so much research like everyone else is already on these projects how could I ever support them or contribute anything to it when I'm brand new but once again, that's in my head. So. And we had literally all just been in your spot, literally, like, within, I mean, I was, like, there two years, but, like, some other people in our research team had been there, like, a month ago, you know? And so it's just, like, you kind of start to learn that it's part of the process, but you don't know the process yet, and so it's hard to know that, like, that's where you're supposed to be. I love and that. it's okay. I love that. That's a great way of saying it. So it's funny to think that you were only, that you were me last year to me. You know, like a second year, mm-hmm. yeah, which is crazy for me to think because also to everyone listening. So I asked Peyton for everything. Like, how do I format an APA style uh, table in Word? Like, I don't even know. Like, so many questions. We're gonna we're gonna get into it in a second here. But I think that you like to me as a first year person, it seemed like you were like the wealth of old knowledge. I feel like to all first year students, I am hey. You guys can't see her face right now, but she's maybe busy at me. But I'm telling you, ask anyone in the department. Peyton was this go-to. Uh, she had all the like digital tools you needed to like be organized and do the things. Every book you need, every class you were going to take, she had notes on it. She had the textbook. You were so prepared. But once again, it's just that like, and now I'm in where you were, and I still don't know if I'm as prepared as you were <laughs> at that point. But that is what I want to talk about next. So we've talked about first years. You know, that feeling of like not quite, oh, one more thing before we get into digital tools. One more thing before we get into digital tools. I remember telling you, Peyton, I, I, the first few weeks, I was like, God, I feel like I'm doing nothing. I have no research to work on. I have no projects. Like everyone else around me has data. They're on their computers all day long. And I'm sitting here like, oh, I feel like I'm not doing enough. 
and Peyton told me, enjoy it, like enjoy it while it lasts. So that was one other thing I wanted to mention. You know, one that like, I feel like I, so I've technically been like, I've only been in my PhD for two years, but I've been at the University of Florida for like four years now because I did my master's here as well. And so like, I feel like a grandma sometimes because I see rotations of student or graduate students like coming in and coming out. And like, that's one thing I see too often is everyone's like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like everyone around me is doing so much more. And like, that's normally in their first semester when they say that. And I remember feeling that way too. And the only thing I can ever tell them is to just hold on tight and enjoy the time that you have because don't like it doesn't come back like it's a steep downhill <laughs> ride after that and it never slows back down and I feel like sometimes at least in my case I don't know about other people and you tell me if you've seen this but here's what happens is you feel like you're not contributing enough like you don't have research yet you're not You come in in the fall and that is when all the deadlines for conferences are. So unless you had data coming in, like you're not applying. So you're watching everyone else apply to conferences, all these different things. So what do you do at the end of your first semester? Well, you hop on as many projects as you can. You start joining clubs and taking all these responsibilities and all this data. And then second semester hits and you regret everything, everything. Because then, like she said, then now you have 10,000 projects. You're the one in the office all day just trying to keep up and it never slows down until until you're done. Okay. Before we close this episode, this great discussion of the struggles of first year students, but how it's all normal. I want to leave you with tangibles. I want to leave our listeners with like these tangible things, things to be on the horizon or that are on the horizon to be aware of. So what are some tools that you think every grad student should have or be aware of when they're getting ready to have their most successful first semester? Yeah. So if you're, if you've made it to the point where you are going, you're going to graduate school, you're starting your first semester. Um, some things that I would say are super helpful, um, is to, if we're talking about like physical tools, like we'll talk about emotional tools next, but (laughs) some like physical tools would just be to find a system for you, um, whatever works because it's going to be a lot. So Find a system for your files. So I have a work computer and I have a laptop and I needed those two to talk to each other. Um, And so I found Dropbox. Dropbox was super helpful for me at the University of Florida. It comes like free as a student so you can get um, a free Dropbox. So that would be something like files wise. But then you start reading a lot of literature and you think like I was a pen and paper type of person and I went through my master's printing out um, journal articles to read. But like once they're on paper, like there's not a whole lot you can do with them other than compile them in a really large binder that you probably don't want to carry around. Um, And so I would say find a way to organize your literature in some way. Different things work for different people. But what has worked for me is um, I use Mendeley. It's like an online citation software, but it also categorizes your um, journal articles for you. And like, it's also internet based. So what I use on my computer at work also works on my laptop, but it also works on my iPad and my phone. So if I'm somewhere and I need to read something really quickly, I can just pull it out of my phone. Um, Especially when I was, I'm kind of over my coursework portion of my PhD, but when I was in my coursework, that was really helpful. If like, you're waiting at the doctor's office for 20 minutes and you just need to catch up on some of your schoolwork or you're riding the bus to school or something like that. You can whip out your journal articles and make that time useful. I would also say 
be intentional like with a calendar of some sort so that you are planning out your time to be most productive um because beyond that first semester that we talked about it's all downhill really quickly from there and so um being intentional like with your time um if you like i took research hours and i would schedule out my research hours and i would go somewhere else to take those like i was going to a class um so that i was being most intentional with that time out of the space where People can ask me questions and people can pop into the office and chat and different things like that. So I would say that those would probably be the most like physical tools, but also making sure um, that you are making like time for yourself um, outside of graduate school. I feel like that's one thing that I probably struggle with the most is like working hard and playing hard. I probably need to be better at that and find that balance between the two. Um, it can also consume your life a little bit, especially at the point where I am now where like I'm, my dissertation data is collected and like what stands between me and graduation is this dissertation. <laughs> and so I feel like the quicker I can get it done, the better it will be. Um, but at the same time, you have to just trust the process and go through it day by day and take it day by day because you won't achieve all the things you need in one day, that's for sure. Um, I was also having a conversation with a graduate student the other day. It's like, we probably just need to also just stop lying to ourselves that like next week's going to be easier. <laughs> um, I yes. do that myself all the time. I'm like, okay, next week will be, will be easier and it's never easier. So like, let's just accept the fact that it's hard and we're just going to do it the same every week. Yeah. Um, I do the same thing with semesters though. Like, I'll be like okay, I'm going to really have to like grind it out this, this semester, but next semester will be easier. And then it's not. And then for some reason, we're maybe so we're just, no, maybe we're just all really optimistic people. Like we're so optimistic that like, it has to get better. Like it has to get better. So not to scare anyone away. It's very manageable. You're all in this together, but there is that weird phenomenon that you really think at some point it's going to get easier. I just had someone ask me today, like this morning, they said, do you think your PhD will get increase in stress as it continues or decrease in stress as it continues? And I kind of thought it was almost like a joke. Like, is this a, like, is, it, is it a trick question? <laughs> because technically your class load goes down, but your stress level goes up. Because like you said, then you're dissertating all day, every day, try, trying to figure out what your job is, applying to jobs, networking. Anyways, not to overwhelm our listeners, not to overwhelm you, but... Just, I, I hope everyone got a little something out of this talk. You just heard from Peyton Beatty, UF doctoral candidate, and the queen of organization. When when you're, listen to every organizational skill or tip she has, because she is the most organized person I know. She also owns a laminator. She mm -hmm. laminates her calendars into her to-do list and, like, has the laminator under her desk. Like, she's that person in the office. I also stole it to do my own to-do list. So, um... Peyton, thank you so very much for speaking with me today. And I'm excited to hear the feedback we get from listeners on this. And then also listeners, uh, be on the lookout. Peyton is going to have a blog, a guest blog up on my website to discuss a little bit more in depth what cooperative extension is, what it does, and how it can be a tool for you. So Peyton, thanks so much for your time. And I guess I will see you next week in, at, on campus. <laughs> Good. It was great to talk to you all day. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of From Urban to Ag. More information and additional resources from today's episode can be found on my website, 
www.fromurbantoag.com. If you have any questions or comments about information presented in this episode, please get in touch via the contact tab on my website. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the next one, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you.